Well, good evening. We're back. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight is a very special podcast because it was requested by a dear friend. And our title tonight is... Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. The title tonight is Two Amateurs Discuss Evolution. Now, I will say when Josh asked us to do this, I thought... Wow, what a big topic. And But there's all different ways you can discuss evolution. And there's no, just because we're not scientists doesn't mean we can't discuss it. And I think I, think I found some good stuff. Yeah, one of the things that I want to state right up front here is this has been such a, a lightning rod topic for so many people. Yeah. Um, and the challenge, of course, that we have as as thinkers is everyone says, do you believe in creation or do you believe in evolution? Mm-hmm. By asking that question, you draw a hard line between the two as if there's no way you can be any way one. There's nothing else. It's either all one or all the other. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot more to it than that. And I think we might get into that a little bit as we discuss things. So I think so too. But I will say, when I tried to, one thing I tried to find is, and I did find a couple things. And of course, we didn't, we haven't been researching this for days and days. We just do our research. But I was trying to find how many, what percentage of professional scientists believe in evolution. Mm -hmm. And I did find one thing, which I will share. But most of the surveys were not about scientists. They were about amateurs or non-scientists, people who aren't scientists, how many of them believe that scientists believe it? Mm, so it's just, it's just, uh, it all, almost all the surveys were about Americans, what they think scientists believe. And a lot of Americans, um, and that was all the um, research I saw, it was just talking about Americans. Um, a lot of Americans believe, all scientists believe evolution. And, and, and so I thought it was odd that really that's a weird thing to, I mean. Yeah, it's a weird, weird question because it's a hundred percent opinion then. Yeah. It's just I a mean, guess it's just on like, people's What parts. do you think? And, and it. And, th- there but was, in doing that, that question is a loaded question then. Yeah. Because by asking someone that question, you're saying is someone who's more educated than you and more intelligent than you, would they be evolutionists? Yes. I thought it was interesting. I I found this uh, 1997 survey uh, by Edward J. Larson and Larry Witham said that roughly 40% of American scientists are theistic evolutionists. Mm, They believe God's behind it all. Yes. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing that we're going to go in. Okay. Um, And it said that uh, half of the responding scientists identify as religious and only 2% rejected evolution completely. Completely. Okay. Well... I want to bring out, because when Josh asked us this, I I had already been thinking about it because I read this book, and you know, sometime, maybe I should start it with this podcast, because I know a lot of podcasters do that. They they share their notes in their, in the description, so any, any, uh, uh, what do you call this? Footnotes, research. Any, any, any sources. Right. They share what the sources are. But I will tell them, I'll, I'll share you what this, this man is, his name is Carl R. Truman, wrote this book. He is a professor of biblical and religious studies at Grove City College, 
He is an esteemed church historian and previously served as a William E. Simon Fellow in Religion and Public Life at Princeton, and he's authored and edited a bunch of stuff. He's very smart. If you read this book, you know he's very intelligent. And the book is called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And then, parenthesis, or quote, the two dots, colon, Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Evolution. Revolution. So what I want to share here is he does bring up Darwin as having a major effect on our society and where it has come from. And Darwin, I'll just read a couple of the quotes I have that I wanted to share here. Um, Darwin's theory. Okay, first I'll read this other one. No, I'll just keep reading here. Go ahead. Darwin's theory of natural selection effectively made any metaphysical or theological claim concerning the origin of life irrelevant. So Darwin's theory just kicks God out of the whole idea of of uh, creation. And here, I'm going to read a little more. And therein lies the genius of Darwin's approach. The world as we have it does not need a designer or a divine architect. It can be explained without any reference to the transcendent. It is an imminent process involving variations and adaptations over vast periods of time. More significantly for the concerns of this book, Darwin thus takes his place among others, such as Nietzsche and Marx, as one who dealt a brutal blow to the idea of human nature. So by taking God out of the equation, we take out that we are made in God's image and that we actually have responsibility as stewards of creation. And ha- and then he goes on, and having no God-given destiny, they have no transcendent ethical standards, either laws or virtues, to which they need to conform themselves. So if we don't have a creator, there's really no... There's no social standards. I mean, there are some, but they will keep going down, down, down hill because there's really no solid ones because God is the one who gives the universe its laws and also puts the conscience in us. Mm-hmm. And if you take God out of the equation, um, we are just a bunch of cells. and and um, That's interesting. Um and he also says one more thing. Darwin yeah. strips the world of intrinsic meaning through natural selection. We really have no meaning apart from God. So that's that's one thing Darwin's well, Darwin did. Yeah, in in doing so, and I don't know if we should lay this all on Charles Darwin himself, uh, but it's what people did with what he said. Yes. So, um, what people did with the the natural selection. Uh, evolution and yeah so yeah it, you seem to you want to share something Go well ahead. darwin's initial um treatise on the origin of species um came about when he was observing things on the galapagos islands and he was seeing how things were different there because they had had to you know the same bird here was different than the bird mm-hmm. there and, and adaptation had happened and from there, he extrapolated and, and pushed it farther into this theory of evolution. And it is a theory. It is not a law. It's a theory. You know, it's a very well-accepted theory, but it's still yes. just a theory. But um, he was not the first one to no. do evolution. Oh, no. Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, 
he was the first to hypothesize evolution, but he kept God in the equation. Right. So his was not without God. And even Darwin himself, especially towards the end of his life, he considered himself an agnostic, not an atheist. Mm. He didn't say that God didn't exist. He just thought there was no no room for God in science. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. the, the saddest part of, of Darwinism, in my opinion, wasn't necessarily 100% from Darwin, although he did have some theories that were ridiculously racist, um, is the social Darwinism that came out of that, that mm-hmm. spread throughout the world by so-called educated people, um, specifically Europeans and Americans, mm-hmm. who um, took this theory of evolution to say that some people were less developed than others. Oh, yeah. And they bad. immediately went to races. Yeah. And they tried to find... You know, the, the concept going back to the Scopes monkey trial and all those kind of things, that someone looked more like a monkey, they were less evolved. And so, of course, you could see someone who has different facial features than a European facial feature and say right. they're less evolved. Mm-hmm. Well, the color of your skin and the, the, the shape of your face or the shape of your nose or the shape of your lips has nothing to do with the development of the human species. Well, no. There's just there's so much variation, but we can't say... And unfortunately, that was the justification for a lot of the colonization, a lot of the slavery, a lot of the other things that happened in the world that were are just absolutely anathema to Christians. Some Christians Used took it. social Darwinism yeah. without giving up creationism. Mm-hmm. They just said that they were more developed than mm. others. And I, <clears throat> I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest crime that comes out of, of evolution is that. Now, there's, um, I have an article here from um, the National Center for Science Education. Mm -hmm. And they bring up an interesting uh, concept here. He says, you know, when you you compare these things, Mm -hmm. it's like um, if I were to hold up a grapefruit and said, is this yellow or is it spherical? Mm -hmm. Well, the answer is yes. For both. But it's, I'm not saying this is contradictory to that. Right. I'm asking you two things, and they don't necessarily contradict each other. They can both be true, but they're different things. Yeah. And he said creation and evolution are the same way. Because creation is a belief and a philosophy. Mm-hmm. Evolution is a scientific outlook on things. Mm-hmm. Why do they have to be one or the other? Well, and that's I, where you get like the the theistic evolutionists believe that there's a combination. God did it all, and God had His hands on it all. Mm-hmm. But the evolutionary facts that they're finding archaeologically and things like that have to be accounted for somewhere. And they just say, yes, evolution happened because that's the way God wanted it. Mm. God had His hand on it all the way through. So, <clears throat> well, I agree that there are adaptations, of course, because that's just. We adapt to our environment, of so course. that's why one <coughs> same bird species in in Europe will look totally different than the same sure. bird species in a tropical place. But I don't think that that's necessarily evolution. Well, not necessarily is that evolution, but we also can't um, deny if we look at the the, the biblical story. Mm-hmm. Did not Adam come from dust? He did come he from did. dust. Yes. So. God had his hand on taking an inert subject and making it something that it wasn't, and it changed. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I understand a but little I, bit yeah. about the theistic evolutionism. I, I, I understand that to some extent. Um, 
if you want to dig deeper into it, there's a, a foundation called Biologos, mm-hmm. which is the word of life. Mm. And those are uh, theistic evolutionists, mm-hmm. and uh, they are not. Um, they are not going to. They they never deny uh, Christ or God or anything in there. And in fact, they are firm believers, but they also see how evolution fits into God's plan, mm. which is a. It's quite an angle off of what most people want to go. They want to believe 100% one way or 100% the other. And they're saying, wait a minute, stop drawing mm-hmm. walls between things that don't necessarily disagree with each other. But we have we have historically made those two things such polar opposites that we don't even have a discussion anymore. Well, okay, there's this, this article I found from Lumen, L-U-M-E-N, Learning. Mm-hmm called Evidence of Evolution. Now, there's five things they say prove evolution. I'm going to read them, and then I'm going to comment. Remember, I'm an amateur. I don't right. don't say I'm a scientist, but I think I'm right anyway. The five, <laughs> five lines of evidence that support evolution. One, the fossil record shows that there were different life forms. I'm just going to read them, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to comment. Right. Okay. Two, biogeography. That's the branch of biology that decides where the geographical distribution of plants and animals. Three, comparative anatomy. Our anatomy is similar to other creatures. Four, comparative embryology. Same thing. Our embryos are similar to other like animal embryos. Five, molecular biology. Branch of biology that deals with the structure and function of the macromolecules essential to life. So they say those five things that I just named are proof of evolution. This is where I think they're short-sighted because all five of those things could also be proof of creationism. Because there is a part of whatever you decide to believe, there's faith. Okay, so let me tell you what I think about these five, okay? The fossil record, there were different life forms. How do they, yeah, so what? God made all sorts of different life forms. So there are, like the mammoth, we know that the mammoth is extinct now, but that doesn't mean it evolved into an elephant. They just have similarities. So different life forms does not, is not a proof of evolution. I think it very well could be a proof of creationism because creationism is still being going on right now. Things just are created. You know, I I don't see half humans running around, half human, half monkey, but there's a reason for that. According to an evolutionary scientist, I'll come back to that. Well, and according to the uh, Convention on Biological Diversity, they said every day about 150 species are lost worldwide. Yeah. So, we, so there are there are things that were here yesterday that aren't here today. So yes, and we know um, from fossil records. I mean, no one can deny that dinosaurs existed. Oh no, you can't deny it. We have a fossil record. We don't have any running around with us right now. I don't know about that. Well, okay, that's my theory. I think there might be some. There of are the, some things in the jungles. There may be some, uh, or some water ones. I don't know. Yeah, but who knows? Okay, but that, basically, what I'm saying is. That, yes, we have a fossil record of, of species that don't exist now. 
And yes, we have a fossil record that you could draw the extrapolation and say this was um, an early horse. Yeah. And now the horses have changed. And I can, I fully accept that that's probably an, ad, an adaptation that went through to the point to where we have a horse now is not the horses they would have had a thousand years ago. Probably not. Or 10,000 years I ago. I do not think a horse was ever the size of a dog. Because Jesus knew from the very beginning he was going to ride a horse in the end. Horses are majestic. They never were the size of a dog. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe not. Okay, that's just my opinion. Don't don't condemn me for that. I'm just being dumb, probably. I just don't like the thought of a little horse. But unless it's cute. Now, that's cute. That would be cute. But anyway, but you still have to have the big ones. Okay. Okay. So stop, number stop. two. Stop. I didn't mean okay. to start the whole rabbit trail of horses. Okay. <laughs> oh. Biogeography, the branch of biology that deals with geographical distribution of plants and animals. Why is that a a proof of evolution? I think that's also a proof of God knows what he's doing. So he makes certain plants for certain places and he puts certain animals because they go there. And, um, okay, that's what I think. Okay. Comparative anatomy. Of course things are similar because we have the same creator. Like I will tell you this. If you are a... a um, a lover of art, and you have an artist you really, really love. If it's a painter, you'll be able to you be able to spot that painter's painting from. If you saw a thousand paintings, you probably can spot out at least get really close. Say, hey, I bet he did that one or she did that one because they have style. God's got a style, and and so I think that's why we are similar to other primates. We we have bones like horses do. We have bones like cows do. They're not the same bones, but... Well, if you look at skeletally, if you look at things like... As things as diverse as a human and a frog and a bird. Uh-huh. If you laid out the skeletons next to each other, there are various similarities in all of those skeletal systems. Right. Where you could see them and you could take one and... and change the size of it and ask somebody what it was and Mm -hmm. they would identify it as something that it wasn't. But, you know... um, I think people find what they're looking for. I think, to some extent, I think that's true. I think people are, are, especially if you are a scientist, a true scientist is supposed to make a hypothesis and do testing, find proof, and then come up with a theory based upon the hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think sometimes there's a leap in science where they they look for proof of, and it's the same way with anyone else, that they look for proof of what they believe in themselves. And I think, again, if we open our minds up and look at this, I can see God having his hand on everything. Mm-hmm. I can see, um, I disagree, I'm going to go, um, here we go, I hate to do this, I'm going back to the bunny trail. Knowing the anatomy of horses like I do, the prehistoric horses, the fossil remains that they have of what they thought were early horses, had three toes. Mm-hmm. The vestigial remnants of those three toes still exist in our modern-day horses. Yes. Shannon are, is a farrier, so he knows there feet There are bones well. within a horse's legs and feet that have no purpose whatsoever. But they would have if they had three toes. Mm. Those bones are there, and they don't need to be there. They're called mm-hmm. vestigial bones. And a vestigial bone is something that 
might have had a purpose at one time, but doesn't anymore. So I can believe that there was an adaptation in horses to the point where mm-hmm. they had a solid Totally hook. agree. That makes complete sense to mm-hmm. me, and I can see how maybe they did start little and they got bigger. I don't know. But in the same way you said Jesus knew he was going to ride a horse, Jesus knew the horse was going to be ready for him. Well, that's true, too. So maybe in God's creation, he kept adapting and changing everything the same way he adapts and changes us in everyday life. God is always teaching us, and we are growing, and we are changing. Mm -hmm. And if we can do it spiritually, and we can do it intellectually, um, we can also do it physically. If we Mm -hmm. look at... Um, as a as a history teacher, all right, and a and a and a martial guy, martial art guy. Um, if I went back and looked, and I have done all the virtual tours, I've never had the blessing to go. But the armor museums in Europe, mm-hmm. the average man was well under six feet, closer right. to five two or five three. I think we have better we nutrition, have, right? Well, we have grown since then. Mm-hmm. So whatever. The adaptation we went through to the point where physically fit, well-fed people. In those days, to mm-hmm. own armor, you would have been wealthy. Mm-hmm. Physically fit, well-fed people were shorter. Mm-hmm. And now physically fit, well-fed people are taller. Yeah, we're definitely getting in general, taller. In general, yes. Like, people think I'm short. When I grew up, I was not short. No. I, I'm but not short. I think... I think all of that shows, I mean, and that's a short period of time I'm talking about in, you know, the last 500 years. But I think there are changes that go on. But I am of the personal belief that the reason the earth is spinning on its axis and the reason the moon is rotating where it is and the reason that gravity exists and the reason the stars are in the sky the way they are has God's hand on it, not just from creation, Mm -hmm. but today. Mm-hmm. That God still is working on all these things today. That God is still is still controlling everything these days. So why, um, why would I take what most evolutionists would think is that creationists say it all happened at one time and then was it? They don't understand the concept that God is still at work. Mm-hmm. That we have a living God who's working on things, and most creationists looking at evolution. Um, the one thing that they would hold up, and I, I myself do too, is, okay, if this is a process, where are the thing, the one thing everybody wants to prove evolution as a law that they've never been able to find is what they call the missing link. Mm-hmm. Something that is halfway between the evolution. They have not found that. Well, no, they think they have. Well. Because that's that first one. The fossil record shows that... No, the fossil record. No, that's not what I'm saying. Oh, one somebody that's alive. right now, there should be something that Mm -hmm. is in between. Because if if evolution is true, then things should be changing still. Mm -hmm. And we haven't had um, fish that grew feathers yet. Okay, but... They look for those things, but they've never really found... I think I can tell you what they'd say about it. Go ahead. I'm listening. Brianna Pabiner, she's a paleoanthropologist at the Smithsonian Institute. Um, She says, okay, no, I'll go with Lynn Isbell, an anthropology professor at University of California, Davis, says evolution isn't a progression. It's about how well organisms fit into their current environments. And so they would say 
nothing needs to evolve right now because they fit perfectly fine. Because she, it also, I I found this these quotes in this article because I was, that one question, how come some monkeys evolved and some didn't? And then this Brianna Pobiner says, all you really have to win, have to do to win the evolutionary game is survive and reproduce. The reason other primates aren't evolving into humans is that they're doing just fine. So she's saying that we, as apes or monkeys, whatever we were, we weren't doing good like the other apes, so we had to become human. So we're no better or more evolved than they are. It's just we just weren't good enough before to meet our environment, so we had to become human. But I want to bring one thing up, and then I'm sorry I interrupted you. But um, here's another problem. Okay, so if we're just another creature and not made in God's image, that takes away all our responsibility for the rest of creation if we're just the same as everything else. So why did they ex- why inherently do they think we humans have to fix climate change? Because if they re- in for them to do that they're putting us in a God kind of role. You know? That, that, that's something I thought about. I'm not sure I agree with that. 100%. Okay, that was just Jane's thought. Just simply because we do have positive and negative effects on the environment around us. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. We do have positive and negative effects. Human beings have always done that. I mean, we have um, outlawed Right. So many chemicals and so many, you know, the the Aquanet hairspray mm-hmm. of the 50s is now outlawed because we know that that is a damaging uh, chemical for us to release into the environment. Mm-hmm. So man-made things can change God's creation, not necessarily for the good. Right. So if a man were to stop using the things that are not for the good, I mm-hmm. think that is a positive benefit that we could do and scientifically if we research it and find out what we're doing that is causing damage Mm -hmm. and we stop doing it i think that is a positive now i do not think that we need to we we can take god out of the equation though again god is in every single atom of my body and everything that's happening in my body is a direct reaction to what god is doing okay i agree with all that but when they they've taken god out so, okay, I do agree that we should try to to do better with the environment. I'm sure. not against that whatsoever. It's a stewardship but, concept. But yeah. we are meant to be stewards of all of creation. We're supposed to make sure the wild animals are taken care of. If one is hurt, we're supposed to help that too, not just, I mean, everything. We are stewards right. of the environment. But when you take God out, that takes the role of stewardship away from us, and then they say cows, with all their farts and poop and stuff, put too much carbon dioxide in. Methane. Methane, sorry. So uh, why aren't cows holding themselves accountable? They can't, obviously. They can't. But we're no better than a cow. So why do they... They still think, and it's rightly so. It's rightly so. They might not say it, but we are humans made in the image of God, and we are responsible and by them calling us out to make us responsible, they, in fact, are saying God is part of it all. But they wouldn't say that. 
But well, that that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, um, the one challenge to evolution that exists, and someone would say from a completely um, atheistic viewpoint on it, we just evolved better. So I guess we're better because we evolved better than other whatever other animals there are out there. However, from a creationist standpoint, God appointed us from the very beginning to be stewards. Mm -hmm. And in his own image, he created us, and he created us with the thought process, Mm -hmm. with the spiritual knowledge, with the concept of a conscience, of, 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 of thought, all of those things that other animals are not given. Mm-hmm. At the level that we're given, mm-hmm. all animals have some of those things. Yeah, they have instincts. They know when it's cold, we do this. When they know when it's hot, we do this. They know those kind of things. They know when it's when it's breeding season. Domestic animals and wild animals both know that there's a certain time that they breed because if they don't, then they right they die they have out. their young at the wrong time, and the young will die, and possibly the mothers will die. So there is a season and a setup throughout nature. A cyclic thing that goes throughout nature. Grass comes up in the spring, dies off in the fall, goes dormant in the wintertime, comes back in the spring. That seasonal cyclic thing is not evolution. It's designed for the seasons because we have seasons. Now, if you go to southern climes where they do not have a cold season, the plants there are pine trees would not grow in in Hawaii. They just can't because they don't shed their leaves and they don't go dormant and they need to go dormant to live. So how did all these things happen? You know, uh, again, geography, history teacher coming out in me. Uh, New Zealand. We're studying New Zealand right now. New Zealand only has one single solitary native mammal on the entire two islands that they're on. What is it? A smaller bat. It's a tiny little small bat. It's the only mammal that's native to New Zealand. Wow. New Zealand wasn't even settled by the Polynesian people until about 1500. No humans lived on New Zealand. But it had absolutely no mammals. Now, if you think about that, every other place where humans are, Mm-hmm. Mammals are the apex predators. Mm-hmm. Bears, mm-hmm. lions, you know, always. Right. The apex predator on New Zealand was always a bird. They have 280 different species of bird. And one bat. And how did one bat be the only mammal on an island? That's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's it's... And I talk to my kids about this too, and I say, okay, why are kangaroos only found in Australia? Mm-hmm. Because there's all sorts of theories about continental drift and how things yeah. separated. But there are certain places on this earth where things are extremely unique. Mm-hmm. Kangaroos, koala bears are one. Lemurs, Madagascar, little tiny island mm-hmm. right off a continent, and yet very unique and diverse uh, the biodiversity there is amazing. Mm-hmm. God has his hand on everything, everywhere, and God has so much variety. It's it's a shame um, that even some creationists puts God in such a small box. Yeah. 
Well, I also they put him. They put him in such a little box, and they they think that they understand everything God did. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have even the beginning of understanding of all the things God has and is doing right now. I read a book, and I wish I still had it somewhere. And it was um, it was about creationism and evolution, kind of. But uh-huh. what the the author said mainly is that. And there's a, I, I should have looked it up. It's one of the Psalms where it says God stretches out the sky. And he was under the impression that the creation story is about Earth's creation. And that does not take into account how the universe is still expanding. And how he thought that maybe all those, where it's millions and billions and whatever it is it, out there, is that 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 is true because God stretched it out. But the account of creation is mainly focused on earth, which could be true. I don't know. That's just another theory. But I want to share a couple things here. Um, this, is a, this is a quote from Philip Scal. He's a retired chemistry professor at Penn State. Mm-hmm. And, he, and this is from sciencemeetsreligion.org. And it's from a article called How Many Scientists Question Evolution. And he says, scientific journals are now, no, scientific journals now document many scientific problems and criticism of evolutionary theory, well known by scientists in various disciplines, including disciplines of chemistry and biochemistry. None, none, that's zero, none of the great discoveries in biology and medicine over the past century depended on guidance from Darwinian, Darwin evolution. It provided no support. None of the great discoveries. And then um, another one, a list of scientists from the Discovery Institute who affirmed the following statement. Um, the Discovery Institute had a bunch of scientists sign this, and this is what they said. We are skeptical of claims from the ability of random mutations and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. So, um, not all professional scientists believe that evolution is the... And can I share one more thing? I know we're getting close, and I know you probably have other things to share. But one article I found was, was disturbing to me. Because, you know, if someone wants to believe in evolution, fine. Someone must believe in creation. Fine. I think we live in a place where we should be able to believe in whatever we want. And I do feel that it comes right down. It comes right down to faith, because you have to make a leap of faith somewhere. And this is from the website. is called evolution-outreach.biomedcentral.com. The the article is called "Why Don't People Think Evolution Is True." Implications for teaching in and out of the classroom. So the five cat there, the whole article was about it is a huge problem that everybody doesn't believe in evolution. And why don't these people believe in it? And so they were talking to teachers and how they really need to. They also, toward the end, said, you need to like be an advertiser. You need to push evolution at children and their parents. And I, and when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, why does it matter if they want to believe what they want to believe? But they were, this article is so adamant. These were the, the categories they said why people don't believe in evolution. Um, 
inadequate understanding of the empirical evidence and the content of modern evolutionary theory so that people don't have any understanding of evolution, so that's why they don't believe. Inadequate understanding of the nature of science, religion, various psychological factors and political and social factors. If you're in the wrong political party or you're socially not at a certain level, you're not going to believe in evolution. Um, and widespread rejection of evolution is a much more complicated problem than many of these frontline practitioners think it is. And so they blamed it on the people as in they weren't smart enough. Well, the Pew Research Center, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but um, the vast majority of Americans still believe that um, God had his hand on things. And if you look at the numbers, the higher the education level level goes, the lower uh, that belief becomes. The higher the education level, the more likely people are to think that God didn't have anything to do with it. However, the vast majority are still believing that God exists and God did have his hands on creation. Now, does that mean that um, to be a believer in creationism you have to be uneducated? Of course not. But once we get into higher levels of education, at least from what I've seen so far, uh, people are much more involved in accepting of theoretical things without having factual basis, which sounds contrary to the fact that they're educated. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, the other thing is there's a tendency to start seeing, um, which is an amazing thing again, humans as elevated higher than they should be. It's interesting to me because from an evolutionary standpoint, if we are you know, slightly more evolved than some of the greater apes. What makes us special? And yet we're, we're at, we, and yet the people that will tell you that also believe that they are more intelligent than the person standing next to mm-hmm. them. It just doesn't make any sense. That same article, and then I want to read one quote, and then I will, I'll, whatever. It, other authorities maintain the primary goal of science education should be changing student beliefs. I think that's wrong. Well, they're supposed to educate, and and you know, in biology, you learn how cells work, and you learn all that stuff. But focusing on trying to change the students' beliefs, I anyway, I the best the best um, description of education, in my opinion, is simply to stimulate the mind into seeking answers for itself. Yeah, and once we start dictating anything to them. I am not a young earth believer either. Mm. People that say, well, we go back to generations in the Bible and there's only 6,000, it's only been here 6,000 years. Well, how do we deny some of this archaeological finds that we have and say that, you know, it's only been here 6,000 years? I still, I have a problem with that. And yet, um, I am very much a creationist. I do believe that God created the world. I believe that he sent his son. I believe Jesus died for us. And because of his death, we are we have the ability to be reunited with God. I do believe, as the Bible says, that there will be a new earth where there will be no, no suffering, no death, and everything will be recreated. I do believe that the earth is a decaying, dying place because we have wandered away from what God's original plan was for us. And his original plan is not what we're doing now. I, um, so as, as I believe those things, I can still take into account 
things like archaeological records. Mm -hmm. I can still take that and, and understand that, yes, I can see where that would be a belief someone has, or that's the way we can look at things. I get that. I think, I think one of our biggest problems is the same as everything else that's going on in our society today that we do as humans. We love to categorize people mm -hmm. and say, you're this or you're this or you're this or you're that. You're with me or you're against me. All these things where people jump up. And every time somebody says, we need to force people to think like this, mm -hmm. they're wrong. Yeah, they and I don't wrong. care what they're saying. If you say, we need to force people to think like this, you're wrong. Because as believers and as followers and as a follower of Jesus Christ, I truly believe that everyone has a personal journey to go on. Everyone has a personal relationship with God that they have to work on. That's theirs. Mm -hmm. I can't dictate their relationship with God, and I cannot dictate their thought process. Once we do that, we take away their ability to grow, draw closer to God. Mm -hmm. I will say I, I disagree with you. Okay. Not with that stuff, but I do believe in a young earth. Okay. And I do believe uh, God created the world in seven days. I'm not, in, dis I'm not disagreeing in, with that at all. In Regular days, 24-hour days. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. Yeah. Well, anyway, and it, but, you know, if I find out it's not a fairly young earth, I, I really won't care. I mean, it, it, I believe that because that's the way it says it in Genesis 1, and I just believe it as it is written. Right. But if I find out that God, it was a deeper kind of meeting, it's not going to bother my faith whatsoever. Yeah. But I want to finish... My contribution to this, because I thought this was very interesting, and open your ears to hear this, it's by a Williams J.D., that's what they said his name was, or her, I don't know. Numerous studies, I think this is from the same article, numerous studies have suggested that evolution runs counter to particular aspects of human psychology. Evolution is counterintuitive. Non-belief in evolution, therefore, may well begin with the natural intuitive development of creationist ideas as a very young child. Mm -hmm. That's what these people who are pushing evolution are saying in this article. I think that shows that a young child is, isn't going to be duped by something. I, I don't know. I think that's proof that God is there. Because uh, evolution is counterintuitive. We know we're special. We know God made us. We know God loves us. If we, if we let him love us, we, we aren't just another monkey. Well, on that another monkey concept, I think we're going to wrap up for now. This has been a long one, but I think we'll have a part two to it also. I think there's room for, for some more research and some more thought and some more discussion. So tonight we just want to invite you to uh, get in touch with us. If you have things you want to say, we'd love to hear comments from you. We'd love to get ideas for things. Um, and and as we go forward, research. do your own research, please. Always encourage you to do your own research. Yeah. God loves you. God bless. Bye-bye.